We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. To be honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now Artest is jumped over the scorer's table. Artest is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It's Wednesday, March 18th. Uh, I'm currently quarantined in the Rotowire office. It is just me and our head tech guy, Herb Ilk. Uh, we're the only two remaining right now. Clay Link, our baseball editor, made an appearance uh, earlier today. John McKechnie, our college football guy, was in here for a little bit. So it's livening up a little bit. Um, but it's been very weird getting here, um, you know, in the late morning, the last couple of days and having to unlock the door myself, which I forgot that I even had keys to the office, but, uh, it's been empty and it's been strange. Um, but I was able to wrangle Alex Barutha onto the phone. Are you joining me live from your apartment? Live from my apartment, which I have not left since Thursday, I don't think. Like for real? Like I, uh. I left. I, I physically left my apartment to like throw recycling away in oh, the in the in the garage. Right. No, but I have not driven my car. I've not actually stepped outside other than my balcony <laughs> since Thursday when I got groceries. So you're gonna make it a perfect week tomorrow if you can complete the full week. I am pretty confident that will happen. I do have enough groceries to last me until tomorrow. Do you have a gym on site? Uh, well, the gym on site in the building was closed, but I have enough. Oh, really? o- over the years, I've accumulated. I got some of those like uh, adjustable dumbbells and sure. uh, bands and a flat bench and everything. So I am I am making it work. You have a, you have a, like a bench press rack in your apartment? Uh, 
no, just a flat bench, like a just just the bench itself. It okay. was like thirty bucks. Um, oh sure. And it's I don't know, it's got to be like four or five feet long, but yeah. just enough to do you know basically like okay. sit and do chest press or whatever. Sure. Yeah, I, was, I haven't been actually in your your new apartment, and I'm just, I now I was just picturing like a full squat rack right in the living room. <laughs> <next to> the <laughs> TV. <laughs> I just live. Yeah, my bed's in the living room, oh, and I have a squat rack uh, in the in the bedroom. <laughs> the bedroom's just fully converted into a yep. <laughs> workout space. I mean, honestly, I've seen people. Um, I, I saw people like on Twitter were you know similar situations to you, where like their apartment uh, gym had been shut down, but they were letting residents like loan out the equipment. So there's people you know carrying kettlebells up to their apartment. It's <laughs> it's dire times in in Madison now, and I, I think in the entire state of Wisconsin, and I would imagine most states will be will be following suit if they haven't already. All bars and restaurants are closed, with the exception of takeout. And in Madison, not not a lot of the bars you'd want to go to are takeout type of places. So I was supposed to meet some buddies for drinks after work yesterday. And obviously that was no longer an option. And it looks like social lives in general uh, will be fairly non-existent, at least outside of the home for the next several weeks. But uh, I would like to, as it pertains to the NBA, I would first like to say this really sucks. Uh, I'd like to take a couple seconds to just complain. This is terrible. <laughs> sure. Uh, it's, it hasn't even been a full week. Um, you know, this time... Last week, everything was still going as expected. There was there was a little bit of, you know, is the NCAA tournament going to be okay? Yeah, there was never a thought at, you know, as we record now, 4.30 Central Time on Wednesday. I never It never went through my mind that, hey, we might not finish the rest of the NBA season. You know, it looked like at that time, you know, maybe a brief shutdown, if anything. And the way that things have escalated from wednesday night's games you know going to the the dallas game with mark cuban talking on live tv as as he's finding out the season is suspended uh the rudy gobert news coming out later finding out that he himself tested positive and and now you know yesterday we got news that four brooklyn nuts players including kevin durant have tested positive um i i in a lot of ways it's good that that everything is being taken this seriously and and things are just you know kind of continuing to be shut down to the point that um, you know, quarantine is almost inevitable no matter what you're doing, but I, I just, I can't believe it's reached this point. And I, I'm basically just scrambling day in and day out to find news or find takes where people are optimistic because you hear so much negativity about whether the season is going to be finished. You know, are we just going to, to cancel everything and start anew for, for 2020, 2021? And I, I think most people probably feel this way, but I really, really don't want that to be the case. Like I would accept any sort of playoff format to decide a champion. I, I not having any closure on a season like this that has been really, really good. I think started a little bit slowly, but over the last month or two, really picked up in terms of the storylines. Um, you know, the MVP race. You know, basically, right as all these things kind of start coming to a head, everything halts, and not getting any closure to that, I think, would be extremely difficult. I agree, especially since we were we are slash were, I guess, uh, coming off like the first season after the Warriors dynasty, like we were actually getting real balance in the league. Um, and we saw, you know, like the you know, LeBron actually emerging with the Lakers and the, just a lot of movement. Yeah. Like, like you were saying, it was a really exciting season. And I don't know. I mean, I saw a tweet from, from Sham Sharania. Uh, I think it was yesterday that the league called the former surgeon general of the United States who, delivered quote-unquote sobering news to the league um which isn't great considering the league already said that we're basically done for 90 days and so you're like hey we're done for 90 days let's call this the surgeon general and see what he thinks and then he gives you sobering news that's that doesn't seem like a very good sign at all 
No, I saw your tweet about that. It was pretty negative. I, you know, it was just kind of ignored it uh, and hoped that it was incorrect. <laughs> and I looked into it more, and it turns out that Shams' reporting, as usual, was was correct. It it sucks. I don't know what else to say. I mean, this this entire situation, like you know, my take over the weekend, at least you know, before it got to this point, was you know, why why are we going so far ahead? Why are we saying cancel everything for eight weeks, ten weeks, twelve weeks? Like. Can't we just take it week by week? And I understand there are so many logistical things, you know, that need to be done. Um, that it's, it's, you know, a lot of ways it's just easier to give a longer time frame. But, you know, I, I think like I, there's just a report right before we started recording that, you know, the the Italian, the primary Italian soccer league is planning to resume play on May 3rd, which, you know, it's March 18th. That's not super close to now, but considering how bad things have gotten in Italy, and I know they're a little bit ahead of us on this whole COVID-19 timeline, but if the NBA could resume play two or three weeks after that, by the end of May, I think that would be a huge victory. And it, it seems like now it's just so much doom and gloom and everybody's preparing for these doomsday scenarios. Like I, ju- I just like to see a little more optimism. Like maybe our optimism can will us through this, this <laughs> coronavirus faster than, than the experts seem to think that'll actually happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I, unfortunately a lot of this like very much, literally depends on like the government response and whether or not people actually take self-quarantining slash social distancing seriously. Yeah. As weird as that is to say, like the fate of sports in general in the United States over the next, what, six months, maybe um, just kind of relies upon how seriously this is taken. Uh, And so (laughs) it's, it's, it's tough. It's really tough. It is. I I was saying to my, my significant other the other night, like I'm just, I was so bored. I finished, you know, I caught up on, on all the shows I've been watching. I watched the new Westworld episode. I've been watching devs on, on FX, which is really good. And I, I was just kind of out of TV at that point. And I was saying like how great this whole situation would be if just the NBA or at this point, college basketball was still going, you know, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind being quarantined if there were NBA games to watch every single night. You know, I think it would almost make our jobs easier in some ways and right. just not having any sports. I mean, it, the way everything was wiped out so quickly has been, it's been tough. It's been really, really tough. I want to talk about assuming that the NBA resumes play at some point, you know, however that may be. I, I want to talk about what that's probably going to look like. So let's say, let's say, you know, whatever, whether it's mid June or early June or late May, whatever, around that time, let's say the NBA decides to return to play. What do you think is the most likely scenario as far as what that looks like from a logistical perspective and, and from like a presentation perspective, you know, what you're seeing on TV? Uh, I would expect there to not be fans at first, kind of no matter mm-hmm. what happens. Um, I know I've, I've heard some people talk about, you know, playing warm up games, yeah. uh, but that also increases the amount of, basically that just increases the amount of players exposed to other players, which then you, you don't want to get back into some sort of cycle. Right. So it would almost be easier just to make sure everyone who's on a playoff team doesn't have it. Uh, but then I don't know what they have to do. I mean, do you have to, and like you said, a lot of this is going to depend on the virus itself and whatever. But are you going to have to tell these players to quarantine between every single game, test them before every single game, have them play, then immediately test them again? At, like, right. Um, it's, so it's logistically, I, it just seems like a nightmare no matter what yeah. happens. I, th- I think that's right in that if, if no NBA players had tested positive, like if they, let's say they could have tested the entire league over the weekend and no coaches, players, staff were positive. I think there's a chance, at least theoretically, that you could play games without fans, right? Because you're just, if everyone there in attendance is confirmed not carrying the virus 
and they're not contacting anyone who is carrying the virus between games, during games, at any point, in theory, that should have worked, right? And I think as soon as Gobert was was tested positive, um, and, and you know Donovan Mitchell and these Nets players to follow, I think that took that off the table completely. Um, but like you said, even even if the entire league was was clean from the virus, you'd have to go to extreme measures. You would think to prevent them from contracting the virus between games. And, you know, unless unless you're literally going to quarantine them, you know, in hotels and making sure they don't contract it on, from the arena to the hotel or wherever they're playing these games. It, w- it would just be really, really difficult, you know, especially at the rate that this appears to be spreading. Yeah, and so, I mean, I, I, I don't know what they do then. Um, I think, yeah, playing without fans seems realistic because I don't think they can ask that many yep. people to. I mean, because right now, you know, technically we're not supposed to be in groups of more than ten people, um, so it it becomes rough then. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a question of you know if they even do the playoffs. Are they going to try to do a full seven game series for every single mm-hmm. for every single series? Are they going to try to just reduce down to five or maybe even three? Are they even going to do the full playoff bracket? Do you just yeah. do like do you just do Bucks Lakers three round series and just like try to get that out of the way? Yeah. yeah, that's kind of the next thing I wanted to hit on is let let's say that things are are looking even rosier you know than than I'm expecting. Like you know we get to June and things are like okay you know the, the national panic has kind of subsided. We feel like we're past this as a country and you know you're you're having games uh or you you have the ability at least to have games with fans you know it's the nba is kind of back but all of a sudden it's mid-june and you know the draft's in two weeks and you have you know the competition with nfl that they're always trying to avoid is coming up and you're obviously butting up against the league year for 2020 2021 what is the strategy assuming that games can return i, I think like you said they'll certainly explore condensing the playoffs i think Personally, I think they would go to like a three five 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 instead of cutting out teams. You know, I, I think they would. Yeah. Ha- I think they they prefer to have all all uh, you know all sixteen teams participating. Uh, but I think it's completely realistic that they would slash the number of games. Although, of course, you're slashing the amount of money that goes with that as well. Um, and I think the other thing to consider is the playoff races as they are. You know, I, right now Orlando is five and a half games up on Washington, Memphis is three and a half up on Portland, New Orleans, Sacramento, who are all tied. And then you have San Antonio just behind. Um, you know, I, th- I think it was Rosillo I'd said on, on either his pod or the Simmons pod earlier this week that there's a likely scenario that if the NBA does play out the playoffs for this year, that they just kind of have to say, we're sorry. It's for the greater good to some of these teams. You know, like it, we can't, you know, what are you, what are you going to say to, to the Wizards? You know, if you, if you say, all right, we're going to play five more games before the playoffs, whatever happens, those are going to be the teams. The Wizards are five and a half games out. You know, if you're the Wizards, you would say, wait, why, why are we not playing six? At least give us a, a mathematical chance. But I think at some point the NBA is just going to have to say, look, we're sorry. This is better than nothing. Um, you know, we're, there's no way they're going to get to 82 games, right? I think that's almost unfathomable. No, I think that's completely off the table. I, I agree with you that obviously like everybody – is going to want some sort of fair solution, but I, I don't think that's possible. I don't think there is in any, I don't think any solution at this point is fair to anybody, no. whether you, you play the rest of the game. I, it, even, even if you play the rest of the games, like even if you play out the rest of the regular season and the rest of the playoffs in a full capacity, then next season you're in a weird spot that might mess up the rookies for next year. Yep. Um, I don't, I don't even know. So everything is, you know, just, is just going to be unfair for everybody. And I think you're right where if they do have a playoffs uh, or if they do have a, that, that almost makes me feel like 
they would just go straight to the playoffs because is Washington, I mean, for revenue purposes, you're right. If they were given three games, they'd play them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I don't know if they know they're not going to make the playoffs. Is there too much of a point? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be ideal to have at least a couple warm-up games. I don't, I don't know how realistic that would be. I, I don't think the NBA would go directly into the playoffs. You know, on first game back, all of a sudden it's game one of Bucks Magic. You know, I, I, I feel like, they, or maybe they would give them a week or two as a team to convene and kind of have a mini training camp that I could see. Um, but I, I thought it was interesting. Woj brought this up on his his pod, I think, on Monday. He was saying he thinks that if that is ultimately the case where teams, you know, kind of come back maybe a little bit cold or or rusty after the break, he thinks that would extend the gap between like, let's say it's Lakers, Memphis in round one. He thought it would make it even easier for the Lakers um, because, you know, just the talent gap is so big. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. I I, I feel like everybody would kind of be under the same disadvantage. And I think if anything, maybe it would give you a chance to kind of catch a team like the Lakers or the Clippers or the Bucks or the Celtics a little bit off guard, you know, coming back from what would at that point be like a three month layoff. That's definitely possible. And we don't, I mean, I guess we don't really know. Well, yeah. Cause you want them to be able to reconvene it. I think in some capacity, cause some of these guys, you know, LeBron's going to have like a gym in his house basically, or wherever he can go. I don't know where you know, he, some escaped. Guys, he had some weird tweet. Like, I think he just like escaped to like, he's like living on a boat or something. He flew to Cristiano Ronaldo's private Island or whatever. <laughs> Did he actually where he ran off? I, no, I don't know. But I mean, that's very that possible. Huh? Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think yeah, I think you do need some time to warm up. As far as who gets a competitive advantage, I, I really have no idea. I, I would, my 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 initial gut feeling is to side with Woj and say like, yeah, I think the guys with the higher talent have more of an advantage. But I don't know. I we've just never seen anything like this before. Yeah, I mean, no matter what, it's going to create kind of an asterisk scenario. Um, assuming the playoffs do happen, you know, like if if the Bucks get bounced in round in round two or like don't even make the finals, you know, there's going to be the well, this wouldn't have happened if you know if the season played out as normal. Right, everybody was thrown off by this. No matter what, it's not going to be perfect. Um, but like I said before, I, you just you have to play it out. I don't I don't care if it's a single elimination tournament with all sixteen playoff teams. Like I, you need something. You need to crown somebody the champion. And I, I feel like most fans would agree with that. You know, I, I think. You know, it, it, for a team like the, the Lakers, I, I think are are hurt particularly by this, just because it seemed like they were kind of hitting their stride right at, at the right time, and now you know that that momentum is just cut off. Um, but you know, I think the teams that that really feel like they had a legitimate chance to win the title w- would rather go into a scenario where even if they're disadvantaged relative to the the real playoff system, you'd rather at least take that chance. You know, and I, I don't know if there's a, an NBA fan in the world who would be like, "Nah, I'm, I'm just good with with not knowing for sure who would have won." You know, I, I think. The, like, there's always an asterisk on the the lockout Jordan season as well. I don't think it would be as big of an asterisk or as as talked about as this one would be. But you know, even if it's like I said, a, a random single elimination tournament, which I don't think is going to happen. Even if that were the case, and the Miami Heat came out and won that, they're the champions, and I think I think I would be fine living with that. You know, even if they, even if you want to say that they would not have won it in a full five you know, or full seven game series type of playoffs, to me, that's so much better than nothing. I agree. And I, I mean, your point about the Lakers, this really can potentially hurt LeBron because he's 35. Like, you know, he needs all of these like last years of his career to try and get another title. Mm-hmm. I mean, he got, he got screwed out of the first year with the Lakers, uh, partially because of his injury. I don't think that team was winning the title. And I don't no, think I don't he think thought that either. 
but even still, I mean, the first year was basically a throwaway. I mean, he's aged, he's, he's 34 right. years old then. That's a throwaway. This year could be a throwaway because of coronavirus. Yeah. And then you're talking about six, 36-year-old LeBron James. Yep. Um, I, think it, I think it hurts him disproportionately compared to yeah. maybe more than anybody else in the, in the league. I think so, yeah, just because of the timing. You know, I mean, if this had happened, if this had happened in, like, 2011 i think we'd say the same things about kobe you know it'd be like yeah because he's he was at that point in his career you know it's this is one where it's just nothing you can really control i mean it it i think it was windhorse was saying in a lot of ways it's just another it's just kind of another weird obstacle that lebron's had to face and i I know a lot of people would would scoff at that but you know as soon as he goes to cleveland and builds this great team kevin durant goes to the warriors and just shuts that down you know as soon as it looks like they have a chance to win it with the lakers the league itself might just shut down so you know, it's it's just kind of been how it is throughout the career, but um, you know, I, I think we'll I think we'll eventually get a resolution. I'm I'm remaining optimistic, like I said, that we're going to get some sort of playoff. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card. Get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cashback, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Um, but as of now, I guess we can kind of take a look at what the matchups would be, assuming that the season were to end today. And there is enough of a gap, as I mentioned, between the 8 and the, the 9, 10, 11s in each conference that you would feel pretty good about, about this being the field. Now there's not a lot of gaps. Um, you know, when you look at the middle, uh, of, of the, the playoff seating, you know, you have Denver who's seven games back of the, of the Lakers, Utah, eight and a half back, OKC, nine and a half back, Houston, nine and a half back. I mean, those were, those were spots that were going to change night to night, week to week down the stretch. Um, but let's just say things are locked in as is. Uh, so that would mean Milwaukee, Orlando, Toronto, Brooklyn, Boston, Philly, and Miami, Indiana, in the East. Well, we'll start with that conference. Which of those four series would, would be the most intriguing to you? I think uh, Boston versus Philly. Um, I I don't know. I mean, the, the ironically, if the season starts up, Ben Simmons might be fine. He had a back injury, basically, like he, he hadn't played for a while. Yeah, uh, and that it, it doesn't sound great at all. Like it sounds like he might miss time. You know, basically leading right up to the playoffs. But even still, I mean, this is kind of a case of. You know, I, I feel like we've been sleeping on Boston a little bit. All of their, you know, all their metrics and numbers suggest they're an elite team or close to an elite team, um, and they've just been doing it through, you know, mostly coaching the game plan. I mean, Tatum's emerged as like a, you know, fringe, you know, he he could be a All NBA second team threat next season. Um, and but at the same time, then you counter that with Philly, who obviously has all the top end talent in the world, uh, but has been severely underperforming, especially on the road, like some alarming statistics on the road this season. Um, and so I think it's a good clash of, first of all, it's just a rivalry in general. But then you get this, it's almost like this, this overperforming, it's like an overperforming 
uh, undersized team against this underperforming oversized team. Uh, I think it would just be really interesting, a really physical matchup and, and really entertaining. I'm sure it would get chippy. I feel like there's almost no way that that wouldn't go six or seven. Like I don't, I don't trust right. either of those teams, even though I think a healthy Philly, and that's actually a good point that I hadn't thought about. Like this helps them perhaps more than any other team. Uh, and in terms of contenders, you know, when it comes to health, I mean, there's really not other major injuries uh, that guys are working back from that, that it really looked like might impact the playoffs if they were on schedule. And, you know, I'm not really including KD and Kyrie in that discussion, but this is huge for him if, if they do end up pushing things back. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that would be a series where like Philly could go up 2-0 and then like blow three games in a row, you know, two of those, being at, <laughs> right. two of those, like get, get beat by like 45 at home and just call into question every single thing and then come back and win the series in six or seven. Uh, they just, they're just a team that even last year we saw this just never makes things easy on themselves. And I, I think there's been no reason at least this season to, to believe that that won't be the case, but I think that's kind of the clear winner. You know, you could throw out one eight. Yeah. Everybody likes watching the bucks, but that's going to be a, a disastrous series uh, against Orlando. Um, Toronto, Brooklyn, kind of the same way. You know, the Nets are, are at least more watchable to me than than Orlando. But you know, that, I think we kind of know how that will go. Heat Pacers is is interesting, but I don't know. I mean, it, I, the Pacers to me are still a little bit of a rough watch at times. Um, I, I, so I think in the East, I'm with you. I think the three six Boston Philly matchup would be by far the most interesting in round one. Yeah, and I think also we need to consider. I mean, Kemba Walker also has kind of been having a. Uh, He's had a knee injury that's bothered him yeah. uh, for a bit. Um, what was just tweeted, by the way, the OKC Thunder say test results are negative for the coronavirus for all players and staff. Uh, so that's a good sign. Um, that is a good sign. That is a good sign. Uh, as far as the yeah, Miami Indy, I would be pretty confident in, in Miami winning that. Uh, I mean, we have, but yeah, like right before all this blew up, we had Malcolm Brogdon tearing his quad uh, for what, the second time in his career, basically? Yeah, um, I got the sense that this latest one wasn't quite as severe as what happened last season, but still, I mean, injury to the same area. Yeah, so, I mean, if I, I don't even know if he would be fully healthy. I mean, I guess he would be fully healthy, but he, you know, I, I don't know. I, I would just have more confidence in, in Miami, who's, uh, I, f- I feel like, just a better team. Yeah, looking at the West, we would have the Lakers and Grizzlies would be the 1-8. Clippers, Mavs, Nuggets, Rockets. Jazz Thunder. Yeah, I I mean I think um I think for me Denver versus Houston is probably the most interesting. I'm kinda I like I want Dallas to not play the Clippers. Like I, I would prefer Dallas to play someone who I think they can actually beat. I don't mm-hmm. think they can beat the Clippers, but the Mavericks are have been like actually really good this season, um, especially against competitive teams. Their simple rating system is less that it's it's 5.8 and Clippers is 6.7 and I know Clippers have dealt with injuries etc but I think the Mavericks are, can be kind of sneaky in the playoffs but of the actual matchups I think Denver versus Houston is interesting because you have you know kind of this uh obviously the, the Rockets going full small ball it's their first time in the playoffs doing that going up against a team in uh the Nuggets who probably would refuse to go completely small because uh, Jokic is their best player mm-hmm. but they do have the personnel to get uh, to be creative with it. I mean, they're the deepest team in the league. They could try to run some Jeremy Grant at center, or they could try to go super big and do like Jokic, Millsap, Grant. You could try Michael Porter Jr. at shooting guard. Like you could get, I mean, they have they have the creativity to, they have the roster flexibility to be creative. 
Uh, but I think it would just be really entertaining. And if, if like, if the thing is, if either of these teams got swept or maybe even a five game series, there would probably be like, I feel like there would be ramifications for the team construction. You know, like yeah. if the Rockets get swept here, I like, what do you, like what is Daryl Morey slash Mike D'Antoni say to Tillman Fertitta? Or if the Nuggets get swept here with, you know, Jokic, you know, and, and the talent that they have now, what does that say about them? I don't even uh, know if it has to be a sweep. I mean, we're talking, this is a round one series. And more than anything, it just speaks to the depth of the West. I mean, these are two very good teams. They're they're 43 and 22 and 40 and 24, respectively. Um, but I, I think both of these teams are, it would be considered a disappointment to lose in round one, right? Even if even if you're the six seed Rockets, I don't think this team was built to, you know, to get to round one and feel pretty good about it. Like, that's clearly not the case. I mean, this is a team that's played in multiple Western Conference finals over the last couple of years. And I feel like they have to at least get there or I don't know if it's going to be a roster move. I think it would be a GM move for sure. And, and then at that point, it's kind of up to whoever's brought in. You know, if you, if you're fired Daryl Morey, there's no guarantee that whoever you're hiring is going to be on board with this dramatic style. You know, I mean, like whoever you hire, maybe he wants to go get a big man and have a rim protector on this team. You know, this part, part of the reason that they built this team as is, is because of the personnel. But part of it is because, you have the one GM who's willing to take these kind of swings. You know, not many GMs would just trade Clint Capella to the Hawks in the middle of the season out of nowhere. You know, a guy who's having the best year of his career. And so I, I think it would kind of depend on on who that theoretical hire would be. You have a guy in Westbrook who's, I wouldn't say untradeable. I guess we saw that this past summer. He's not untradeable. And he's played well enough that I think, if anything, he's he's rehabbed what was pretty low trade value. Harden is obviously a different story, but... It, it, to me, it's almost unfathomable that they would deal Harden. At, at the same time, if you're bringing in kind of a new regime, you have a new owner, a new GM at that point, likely a new coach, um, I, I feel like anything would have to be on the table. Yeah, I think so. And this has been very – yeah, this this team obviously is the, the Daryl Morey fingerprint all over it with – I mean, they initially signed Capella. I mean, those those contract negotiations were very contentious. Yeah. Um, they really got him. They got him like a pretty good deal. Uh, and it was one of those deals where you feel like they signed him to possibly trade him, yeah. and then they end up they they do end up trading him, and the result is like it boosts the value of one of their highest paid players, who some people thought was essentially untradeable after they traded for them. So it's like a very weird um, Mori esque thing, but yeah, I don't know. I um I I, I think it'll be one of the series that has the most obviously like. I don't even want to include like LA Memphis in terms of, you know, I, I guess the other series like Utah versus Thunder, that could have some, that's another series that could have some pretty significant implications as well. Cause what if the Thunder, you know, what if the Thunder win that series, you know, what do they do with their roster then? Do they, do they still <laughs> deal with, do they still try to trade Chris Paul? Do they keep him? What does Utah do? I think they, well, one, one final note on Denver, by the way, yeah, sure. you, you mentioned them as, as, you know, kind of in that same, I wouldn't say they're a team in transition necessarily just because of how that team is constructed. I mean, you have Jokic locked up, you have Gary Harris locked up, you have Jamal Murray starting that monster contract next year. So it's not like it's not like this is a do or die year for them by any means, but they barely made it out of the first round last year. You know, they needed seven yeah, games. Was, they needed yeah. seven games to beat what was a pretty bad Spurs team. And then, you know, they they got taken to seven games and ended up losing by Portland. But I think they were they were considered the better team certainly in in both of those series and very easily and probably should have lost in round one so you know taking that into context and then you know what would be maybe another first round exit 
Um, you know, I, again, I don't know what the move is for them. It's not like you're going to turn around and trade Jokic, but I think you'd at the very least have to reconsider what's around him. Um, but Utah, like you mentioned, you know, I think they're they're the team that has everything to lose in that four five, right? I mean, it, the Thunder have been playing with house money all year, and Chris Paul's exceeded expectations. He's been a perfect fit alongside SGA. You know, they haven't gotten great production from the wing, and it just hasn't seemed to matter. They just continue to win games, but I, I don't think that in, unless this team like makes a, a spirited run to the Western Conference Finals and like takes the Lakers to seven games, like. I based on what how they've operated, you know, that I mean, trading Paul George, trading Russell Westbrook, to then turn around and and try to keep Chris Paul, you know, if offers are are on the table, I, I couldn't see OKC doing that. But I, I think just getting to the playoffs and if they can win a series, great, they're willing to ride it out. You know, it doesn't affect draft position once you get there. Um, I, I you know I, I think they've already kind of accomplished all they need to. Yeah, I mean it's, I agree. I mean they have yeah they have, I mean at this point. I mean, I guess the argument is that they also they also might have more assets than they know what to do with. We saw yeah. the Celtics kind of run into that issue, um, right. although they've you know they've they've done well, obviously. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's there's it's, those assets are kind of a ticking time bomb, and so you have to get rid of them or use them at some point. And they have some money that some argue that it's impossible to use. So I don't know if you try to trade Chris Paul for something else you know, like a, a win now piece or a, you trade him for a rebuilding piece, but then you trade your other assets for a win now piece. Right. I don't know how you navigate that. Plus Danilo Gallinari, I think is on an expiring contract. He's so expiring, he could just yeah. walk. Yeah. I, I, so. I mean, they have the ability to, if the right opportunities are out there, they have the ability to become a true title contender right away, you know, because of all these assets, you know, you have Chris Paul, you're not, you're, you're not going to trade Chris Paul and get like, Carl Towns or Devin Booker or Brad Beal, you know, you're not you're not going to get like a superstar who's ten years younger for him, but you're gonna at least, you can get some value and you have the money at least, you know, to to throw that that contract into a trade for another big contract. But I mean, I'm looking at their list of future picks right now. It is overwhelming. I mean, you're, they have Denver's first round pick this year. They have a bunch of picks coming in 2021. They have the Clippers first rounder in 2022, 2023 a 2023 first from Miami. Like it's not only they have a 2024 first from Houston. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not only the, the Westbrook trade, but I mean the Paul George trade uh, combined to, to get all these assets. And like you said, I don't think they want to make all these picks. You don't, you don't necessarily want to be making five first round picks over the course of two drafts. You know, like that's just at the end of the day, like not great roster construction. So I, I think at some point you want to consolidate and they're not going to be under immense pressure to do that this offseason, but they're them and the Pelicans, those are the two teams that can kind of trump just about any offer next time a superstar wants out. Right. And I think some of this, I won't say it entirely does, but I think the Stephen Adams contract is really interesting, whether they decide to keep him or move him. Yeah. Like he's he's about he's like twenty six years old. He's good, but I don't know if he's your, you know, like how far above replacement level is he really? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the teams that would be interested in him in the modern NBA? Do you want to run out of center like him all the time? Like I think I, I really like him. I think he's valuable, but um, I, I know I feel like there were some trade rumors about him flying, but that was yeah. earlier in the season before they started being one of the better, one of the better teams in the league. Yeah, I think it was that, and he he struggled at the beginning of the year. I think it was banged up he did, a little yeah. bit, and I mean Nerlens Noel has played pretty well, and I, I think they. They probably would have felt okay with with giving him more minutes, but Stephen Adams expires after next year, so 
you know, he'll certainly be a name this summer. Um, and then, you know, you would think, I, I can't imagine they, they keep him around on another long deal. You know, if, if anything, yeah, I, I don't think like, I, I don't think they were going like for sure going to trade him before next year's deadline. I, I, th- I could see them playing it out and not even maybe offering him, you know, a one plus one or something like that, which at, at his age probably wouldn't want to take, but I mean, they're not going to throw him another like four years, hundred million dollars. No, no, I don't think anyone would. All right, that's it for part one. We're going to split this episode uh, into two parts. Ended up going pretty long, so part two will be another 45 minutes or so uh, where we get into our award voting, assuming the season is over, All-NBA, and then talk a little bit of fantasy at the end. But that'll be dropping on Thursday morning. So thanks for listening and keep an eye out for that. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.